Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Gian Lemmy. I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, Gian. Chad, episode 75 of this podcast. That is unbelievable. I don't know if we're going to make it to 100 on this season, but I'm already planning season three coming in this coming fall. But I'm just so excited that we've been able to put out 75 episodes without taking many breaks, you know. And both of us have full-time jobs, and it's just incredible to see how God has been blessing us with giving us good guests. It has nothing to do with you and I, Chad. It's just the guests that are coming in is just incredible. Yeah, we started this podcast just so that we can learn from coaches uh, ourselves, and so that we could serve coaches just as we are learning from these these great leaders um, and push the record button. And now we can share it with, with everyone who wants to listen um so yeah it's been a a great adventure and a lot of learning occurring yeah one of the early supporters of our podcast was dr chris hobbs and he is our guest this week um dr hobbs was always posting on on twitter he's very active on twitter and he's always tagging us on it you know so i think we got a lot of our followers because dr hobbs was just tagging us on his posts and so we're really appreciative of that um but his interview chat was really good. He's so thoughtful and, and thorough with his answers. Um, I loved when he talked about Mike Chow, which we've had on the podcast on, in season one, and he played for um, Coach Chow, and he talked about what Coach Chow did to that impacted him when he was only 19 years old. What are some of the things that stood out to you? Yeah, he, he hit on a lot of really, really good topics uh, throughout this interview. Um, and, and he really was pinpoint in his answers, I think. And, and two of them was what, uh, are some of the top things that, that student athletes, young athletes today are facing. And then, uh, it led into the next uh, topic of what, what can uh, a coach do to help student athletes through these, these challenges. And so I think this was gold, uh, really, really great interview, Gian. Uh, Dr. Chris Hobbs, we're, we're ready to get in this interview right now. Dr. Chris Hobbs, thank you so much for coming on the Christian Coach Podcast. We've had a relationship over Twitter now for almost a year, um, but it's great to, to be live with you and, and record. You know our first question um, because you listen to some of the episodes. And so what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Well, first, thank you for uh, having me on the show. Uh, I love what you're doing here with this content. Uh, I think to kind of go right into answering your question, uh, I think that coaches in general uh, have one of the most unique and intense platforms that exists to impact young people. Uh, But when you put that on the foundation of God's word, uh, I think that impact is eternally significant. Um, I I get a lot of confidence in that answer from God's word, um, particularly from the Apostle Paul, who used so many different athletic analogies with his young protege, Timothy. Uh, And if you understand who Paul was, Paul was a genius by every definition of the word in that cultural context. Um, He was uh, the the same thing as like a, a premier lawyer and a premier pastor um, and a premier social influencer all wrapped into one. Um, And in that Greek context, sport was evolving as a spectator experience. Uh, And so I am convinced this is the Hobbes version now. All right. You'd be hard pressed to find this little detail in scripture. But I am convinced 
um, that Paul saw his young protege, Timothy, watching athletics. And Paul saw fire in Timothy's eyes and saw lightning in Timothy's veins as Timothy watched these athletes um, succeed, watched them struggle, watched them fail, watched them train themselves for competition. And Paul, I think, had like a light bulb moment and thought, holy cow, we got something here. Mm. Um, and then Paul begins to pivot and use athletic analogies a lot in his writings, First and Second Timothy, to his young protege, Timothy, comparing the intensity of athletics to the intensity that should be present in our walk with the Lord in our Christian life. Uh, and so on that, that foundation right there, fast forward all the way to 2021, uh, I think that Christian coaches uh, just have lightning in a bottle when it comes to how to impact young people. Um, there is things that young people will do on behalf of their teams, uh, on behalf of their teammates, on behalf of their coaches. They will push themselves so far out beyond their comfort zone which is hard to do for all of us in 2021 because we live such comfortable lives, particularly here in the United States. Yeah. Um, so anything that will challenge a young person to go outside of their comfort zone has the potential for massive impact. And I think sport above and beyond is that type of, of really potent tool. And so that's what it means for me uh, to be a Christian coach. When I was coaching, coached varsity basketball for 16 years, uh, have coached for 20 years, um, have gradually pivoted to being athletic administrator over the last eight to 10 years. And now it's my job to set coaches up to do exactly what I just described rather than me actually do it myself. Uh, and that has been just as fulfilling, quite honestly, um, to be able to kind of broaden my influence across all these coaches and, and, and position them to do what it is that I was so very passionate about and I'm so very convinced still about uh, that there is just nothing like the impact of a coach on a student athlete, particularly when you frame it in God's word and look at the impact that can be had throughout all of eternity. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the reasons why we we started the podcast was, you know, Chad and I, we've been coaching 10, 15, you know, college kids every year. And that's incredible. That's great. You know, that's a great platform. But if we can coach the coaches who are coaching each 10, 15, 100 or 150 kids um, that, you know, that I think we we're, we're spreading that message, uh, uh, you know, a little deeper and, and wider into, um, you know, all these kids. And so but appreciate your answer. That was very thoughtful. Um, I appreciate that. Let, let me go back to a little bit of your answer. You talked about how, you, you know, you're pouring into your kids and now you're co helping coaches do that. What do you think are the biggest struggles that teenage athletes and college athletes now are experiencing in yep. 2021 or, you know, here? Yeah, yeah. I think comparison um, is, um, you know, one of the biggest hurdles for young people. Uh, I think it was Theodore Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, and so I think quickly what really originates from a joyful experience, sport originates as a joyful experience, right? Yeah. Like we're, we're drawn into it because it, it, it gives us joy and it gives us happiness. We, we play sports. Yeah, yeah, we play. <laughs> we play sports. Um, and what begins to quickly sap the joy out of that would be comparison. And that's a hard thing to do because in essence – uh, the competitive experience is comparative in nature. Like we're, yep. we're going we're gonna to line up against each other. Correct. We're going to compete against each other and we're going to compare. We're going to see who's better. 
Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that comparison uh, needs to suck the joy out of the experience. And so too often young people confuse competitive with comparison. Uh, and I think that begins to really pull the joy out of it for them. Um, and that's where this great pro phrase that I, I, I'm not sure who it came from, might have come from the Philadelphia 76ers, um, the phrase, trust the process. Yeah. Um, I, I think joy is instilled or joy is, is, is continued to be held on to by a student athlete. Um, when they really enjoy the process, yeah. um, they, they really look at the competitive experience, not so much as a comparison, but they look at it as a temporary evaluation. All right. Um, when you compete against someone, you're going to evaluate right where you are at. And then once the evaluation is over, learn what you can from it. Set aside the stuff that might distract you, the stuff that might discourage you. And now go back to really where the joy should be. And that should be in the process of continuing to push your own personal potential. Uh, and so that that was true for me as a student athlete. Um, I didn't struggle too much with comparison. Now I was a student athlete in the eighties and the nineties, so I didn't have social media. Yeah. Right. And so it's the a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little hard. I think it's probably a lot harder. Yeah. Well, the because I think piece. you're comparing yourself to Michael Jordan and you know, those, those guys and you know, yep. they're better than you are, you know, yep. in social media today, you have access to 17 year olds who are just like you and they yep. have this abundance of things or they're much more skilled than you are and you have them and you can access them in seconds, you know, yep. and they're yep. getting fed into you automatically. I, I can only imagine I, you know, I'm, I'm 31 years old and I didn't grow up with social media yep. and, um, and I can only imagine what, what life would have been like if every time I woke up, I saw another 18 year old smashing serves and, and doing all those things. You know? <laughs> That's exactly right. So I think comparison um, is, the, is, is one of the big hurdles. There's lots of hurdles for, yeah. for teenagers nowadays sure. in the sport experience. I think comparison is one of the big hurdles. Uh, and I think um, if, if teenagers under the guidance of, of wise coaches um, will really find their joy in the process of getting better, the process of pushing their own potential and view competition as simply a temporary evaluation um, then I think joy can remain in the sport experience for young people. Yeah. Now, what do you think is, is, is the, the struggles coaches are facing now that you oversee a lot of coaches? Do you think, I, I think comparison is still a, a big issue, but are there any others? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the great challenges for coaches in today's day and age is to keep teenagers steady, um, to keep young people steady, you know, for, for those college coaches that are coaching 18 to 21 year olds, yeah. um, I, I would say keeping young people steady, even in the professional ranks. Yeah. Uh, you know, we see some some wonderful professional coaches across all the different sport experiences. Um, and one of the things that they're really good at is keeping things steady. The sport experience is very tumultuous. Uh, the sport experience really is an up and down experience. You know, one night, you can feel like you're going to win the national championship. And the very next night, you're wondering if you've ever even played before. Like, what yeah. was that? You know, and so um, it's, it's a very up and down experience. And so the role of a coach to keep uh, young people steady um, is probably one of the more important things they do, particularly in today's day and age, yeah. when we are all so aware of how everyone else is doing around us. Um, you know, we can feel as closely connected. Um, at Liberty University Tennis can feel as closely connected to UCLA tennis in Los Angeles as they could to a tennis program that's literally in the same state as you that you play against all the time, right? You can feel yeah. just as connected. We're so aware of what's happening um, globally and nationally yeah. that to stay steady is a really hard thing to do. 
um, because we're seeing all the peaks of everyone else's experience um, and assuming there's something wrong with us because we're yeah. not, we're not having peak experiences every single day, yeah. you know? And so to stay steady and, you know, and again, that, that, that cliche phrase now in the sport world, trust the process um, that, that really, in, in my opinion is where the joy is found when you really do just immerse yourself in the process, Phil Jackson, you know, uh, won 11 NBA championships, coaching the bulls and the Lakers, Phil Jackson said in one of his books, I've, I've read a couple of them, but in one of his books, he said, it's not so much that I love basketball as much that I love immersing myself in a process, you know, and so, and sport is one of the most easiest things, in my opinion, to immerse yourself into because it can be quick, quickly become all consuming, right? It's yeah, all, you that's true. About, you know, yeah. and, and that can so, become an idol. Yeah. yeah, yeah, true. The, the, the bad side of it would be become an <laughs> idol. Uh, the good side of it is it can be, it can grab your attention. It can engage your heart, your mind, your soul. Uh, it can engage everything about you. And then that's where you can lean your fullest efforts in to find out what, it, what is your maximum God-given potential in yeah. this particular area. Um, and so I think a coach to keep a young person steady is one of the greater challenges of coaching so that that young person can stick with a process long enough to find out how good they might actually be. Yeah. How have you had any contact and interaction with coaches who have been very successful at that? And what are some of those things that the coaches practically did in order to keep their athletes grounded? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, I, I guess coach I've been blessed. I, I feel like I've been blessed to always be around just wonderful people uh, that were really good at what they did. They were really passionate. About the, they were clear about what they were passionate about. And so um, my grandfather was, was a, was a pastor, a church leader. Um, my father to this day is 45 years, 46 years into leading schools. Um, both my brothers are leaders. Uh, some of my closest friends are very strong leaders around the country. And so I, I feel like I've always been around great people. And that would also be true in the athletic departments that I've led. And so one of the themes that would be true of some of the great coaches that I've had to work with is their ability to just show up every day focused on almost the same thing, right? Um, you know, it's so hard in coaching. Uh, there's so much content we can consume to, to kind of grow ourselves and learn things that you could almost show up every day with a brand new life-altering technique, right? You know, and now we're going to break everything down. We're going to start brand new today. We yeah. could almost do that every single day. Yeah. Um, I, I heard Billy Donovan speak once. Billy Donovan won back-to-back -back national championships uh, at University of Florida in men's basketball. He coaches the Chicago Bulls now. Um, I heard Donovan speak once, and he opened his presentation with this great, great line, and I'll never forget it. He, he, you know, he just won two national championships at the University of Florida. So everyone's there thinking that, like, <laughs> he has got the secret to success. Um, and he opened up by saying this. He said to the room full of coaches, he said, do not adopt everything I'm about to share with you. Just adapt one small thing. Um, and I thought that was so great. You know, it kind of relieved the tension to scribble down everything that came out of his mouth, thinking that if you do everything Billy Donovan does, you'll automatically start winning. Yeah. We all know it's much more complicated than that. And so um, that being said, the coaches that I have witnessed and had the opportunity to be their ADs um, and be their friends that are really, really good at what they do. They show up every day focused on just a few simple things. Um, so, you know, um, I, I've got uh, a coach here at the school I'm currently at, the Kings Academy, uh, a football coach. He's got a mantra of tough people win. Um, and every day he shows up really building things off of that, that mantra. 
Um, you know, I've got a, a boys basketball coach here that's won three state championships, over 700 career varsity victories. Uh, he's been doing it for about 32, 33 years here in the county I'm in right now. Um, he shows up every day with the exact same enthusiasm for the game of basketball. And so um, the great coaches I've seen that have done the, the things that we've talked about to this point well, first thing they've done, they show up every day focused on probably the same thing almost every single day, the same mantra, the same vision, the same theme. Uh, maybe it's the same overall tactical scheme. They just focus on it day in and day out and day in and day out. Um, and then the second thing that they do probably better than most is they show up every day, right? Like just consistency <laughs> of showing up can be a yeah. really challenging thing, especially in the college ranks or the high school ranks when there's a lot of things pulling a lot of different directions and you want to delegate stuff off to your staff, which is really important, mm -hmm. you know, and, and stuff like that. But at the same point, there is a there is something to be said about just showing up every single day, day in and day out for an extended period of time and then it's funny how success tends to be a domino effect of that type of just relentless consistency. Somehow when you show up at consistently, luck appears, you know, yeah, it just, yeah. somehow it just yeah, happens. Luck. Man, yep, I got, yep. Yeah, I got so lucky. Yeah. That's exactly working right. on this for 15 years. Now I get lucky. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as you're talking, it reminded me, you know, talking about comparison as well is um, John Acuff, the author and speaker. Um, he says, don't compare your beginnings to someone else's middle. Yeah, that's you know? a good point. That's great. Uh, and and I think sometimes as coaches, we look at, you know, national champions or NBA champions and we're like, I, I always look at Brad Stevens, you know, and I'm like, man, he went from grad assistant to the Celtics, you know, head coach in like eight, nine years. Like yeah. that's, that's unbelievable, yep. you know? And, yep. and I'm like, how is that possible? And why, why aren't I a, you know, obviously I'm not an <laughs> NBA coach, but like, it's just, crazy but you, you don't see all the work and all the sacrifices he made and 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 you know and and so it's it's very important just to, to stay grounded and um but yeah i appreciate appreciate you expounding on those things let's yep, go yep. back one, now one of the things go ahead one of the things i'd encourage the listeners to think about is anytime we see the next new successful coach i'd encourage the listeners to go digging on what has the coach been doing just prior to that success and i think 99% of the time, we will find an unbelievable, uh, relentlessly consistent pursuit for an extended period of time. Uh, Chris Beard is one that comes to mind. Um, he is now the head men's basketball coach at University of Texas. Yeah. But he had great success at Texas Tech the last maybe three or four seasons. But his relentless pursuit of coaching excellence for decades prior to his experience at Texas Tech you know, it's, a, it's intimidating. It's like, yeah. man, a ton went into this last three, four, five years of success that he's had. And I, I would say that is probably true 99% of the time for every coaching success that we're consciously aware of on the national scene, any sport, yeah. go dig it into their, their journey and you will find just an unbelievably long <laughs> path to that success, which again, points back to what I said earlier, you have to find your joy in the process and the day-to-day -day experience of it all. And then some of those mountaintop and peak experiences, you'll get to experience them yeah. as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks. Um, now let's go back uh, as far back as you would like to go um, and talk to a young Chris Hobbs. Um, if you had told your 10-year-old self that you would be a high school athletic director now 
Um, what would he have said? <laughs> um, I don't think I would have been all that surprised. Uh, you know, um, this, uh, my father was, is a school leader to this day for 46 years. Um, but he also, for large portions of his career, 25, 30, 35 years, um, coached at varsity levels. Um, and even up until last winter, he coached middle school basketball, right? Even as the, the leader of a school, he's the head of school in, in Western Maryland. Um, he found time to coach middle school basketball at the school. He just, he just loves that role. And that great time management skills, probably. Yeah. Yeah. He's also got pretty good time management skills. Um, so I say that to say that, you know, the sport experience has always been part of my family. I've got two younger brothers. Um, we're all, you know, about two years apart from each other. So we all went through our sport experiences together. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, if someone told 10 year old me that I would spend, you know, the first really 20 years of my career uh, working, particularly with a bent towards athletics in schools. Yeah. Um, if I were to go back, I would probably um, go back to um, let's just go back to the start of my professional career. So go sure. back to 2000 when I graduate college uh, and I jump right into teaching and coaching. Um, I, I would probably encourage my 21-year-old self uh, to make it as much about others as you possibly can. Um, I think at 21, um, I, I think to get into coaching for the most part, to get into teaching, you kind of have a bent towards others. You kind of have an, an altruistic um, you know, DNA to you where you're, you're all about trying to improve other people's lives. But um, whatever level I was at at 21, at 43 now, I would go back to 21-year-old Chris and say more, like make it more about other people. Uh, and I think that's, that never returns void. That's never an empty investment. When you make it about other people, it's incredible how fast you grow yeah. as an individual professionally. And so that would probably be the piece of advice. And so to the coaches out there listening, um, we probably have, you know, some wonderful coaches that love the Lord, love their sport, are great sport leaders. You know, we've got people like this probably listening to this podcast. Um, I would tell them to turn it up even a notch more about make it about other people, make it about your spouse, make it about your children, make it about the student athletes you lead, uh, make it about your coaching staffs, you know, uh, make it about other people even more. Um, and you, it's amazing the deep joy that you will get out of that experience. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when you're pursuing something just yourself, it can get very lonely. You know, yeah. when you focus on serving others, it automatically brings you closer to other people. <laughs> and, yeah. and we were and we were made created by God to 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 live in community. And so yeah. um, I think sometimes we get single like a single focus and it's just I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this and yeah. ends up you just get so lonely and burned out. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how, how has your, your faith journey been? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Um, and, and how does that influence the way that you lead your coaches on a regular basis? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my father, um, is, uh, you know, a, a very committed Christ follower. Uh, and so he has been a, a school leader in Christian schools, his entire career. Uh, and he was very, very intentional uh, about integrating God's word into our home. Um, and, and, and pointing out when, uh, God's word was true in our lives, uh, pointing out when sometimes our behavior, um, you know, violated God's word and the natural consequences of that, um, as any good parent probably should, you know? And so as a result, um, that's, that's very, from an earthly standpoint, very much wired into my DNA. Uh, and so, um, there, there's, there, you know, there was a very clear time, uh, when I came to a, a decision, 
um, that I had to own my faith um, and I had to make it about my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, there was a very clear time when that transition happened from something that my parents, you know, were teaching me and training me into something that I owned. Um, and so um, a, a, a huge part of that story is going from my father, um, who was my varsity boys basketball coach when I was in high school, going from that to other godly coaches in my life. You know, when I'm 13, 14 years old, I'm not thinking about my walk with the Lord. I'm thinking about the next game. You know, I'm thinking about the next competition. I'm thinking about sports all the time. And that was probably true more often than not going into college. You know, like I, like I wasn't some young spiritual savant, you know, um, I, I was just your normal run of the mill yeah. dude. Uh, and so, but I had great coaches in my life that understood how intensely committed I was to my sport. Uh, and they gradually, slowly took that intensity that I was investing in the sport and began to pivot it into my walk with the Lord uh, through their influence on my life, really, you know, because they were my coach, right? Yep. And so, like, I, I really, what they said mattered to me big time. Probably the they, same way that Timothy listened to Paul. That's exactly <laughs> right. You know, because my coach controlled what mattered to me, sport and playing time what they said mattered to me, right? Because, yeah. you know, I, and so um, just the symbiotic, symbiotic nature of that was such that my coaches gradually just wisely, intelligently took, almost put their hands on my face and I'm so focused <laughs> on sport and they gradually turned my head this way say, Hey, Chris, as intense as you are here, that same intensity needs to exist in your walk with the Lord. And so those were really formative experiences for me um, through middle school, through high school, through college. Um, I, I played small college basketball, um, for, for a, a wonderful godly coach that had a huge impact in my life. He's been a guest on this show, Mike Shaw. Mike Shaw, yeah. So um, Coach Shaw had a massive impact on my life, still does to this day. I talked to him maybe three, four weeks ago. Okay. I, I graduated uh, playing for coach in 2000. Um, I talked to coach three weeks ago, so 21 years later. Um, and one of the first things out of his mouth is, Chris, I'm praying for you, Chris. I'm praying for you. It's like, <laughs> my, coach, <laughs> my coach is still praying for me. I haven't played for you in 21 years. Yeah, He's still yeah. praying for me. Yeah. You know, and so it's stuff like that that when I when I talk about the blessing of having really, really influential, godly people in my life, coach is one of those examples. And so that would be continues to be part of my faith journey. Yeah. Um, and then the responsibility of being a husband, um, the responsibility of being a father and and hopefully passing along faith to them in a way that they will embrace it as their own yeah. the same way it was passed along to me. And, yeah. and so th those are some of the big things going on in my faith journey. Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. Can, can we go back to coach Shao? He yeah. has been, he's been one of my favorite guests, not <laughs> that I should have favorite guests. because it's like, you know, like a parent, you know, you, yeah. Yeah, I know what you but, mean. <laughs> but it's just the passion in which he, you know, he spoke and the passion that he had that you could feel it for, you know, for his athletes. Um, what is one lesson that you learned from your time with him um, that, that you take it forever? Yeah. Oh man. Um, so here's one that's probably very unexpected, um, but anyone that played for coach while he was raising small children, I, I think they, they would all maybe say the same thing. So one of the biggest benefits I got out of going to, I went to Clark Summit University. Yep. When I went there, it was called Baptist Bible College. It's now called Clark Summit University in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's just outside of Scranton. Um, right next to Dunder Mifflin. Yes, yes. And I'll be honest <laughs> with you, if you're a fan of the show Office, it does an amazing job of depicting Scranton. Like Scranton really is like that. Uh, and so um, that being said, um, when I was playing for Mike Shaw, um, he had he has six children. 
Um, when I was playing for him, he had three and they, they were all babies and toddlers and, and little ones. Um, and in that small school setting, um, probably true for, for lots of college basketball coaches in any setting, um, you end up in, in many ways living life with that coach, right? Because you're on campus 24 yeah. seven, um, you're at coach's house all the time, you know, so you end up living life with that coach. And I can remember between 18 and 21 years old, sitting on coach's couch, laying on his floor, watching, you know, Sunday afternoon football, stuff like that. And watching him parent young toddlers so intentionally, um, like coach doesn't do anything on accident. Everything coach does is on purpose and intentional. Uh, and so uh, watching him parent toddlers, because I've got very clear recollection of how my parents, you know, parented me as an elementary student, a middle schooler, a high schooler. But not I don't toddler. have clear recollection of how they parented me as a toddler, as an infant. Yeah. Um, and so to watch Coach and his wife parent their toddlers was incredibly formative to me and framed a lot of how I parented my children when they were that age, because that was my picture. Yeah. And so to coaches out there, um, that are raising small children around teens, um, I would really, really encourage you to, in an appropriate way, give your teams, give your young student athletes a glance into your family life um, and what it looks like to run a home that's founded on the Lord, You know what it looks like to love your children, to love your wife. Um, there is sacrifices that coach made for his wife and they were young marrieds. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm 18 years old and coach is like 26 years old. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there, I mean there was always yeah. no age difference, you know, yeah. uh, but coach got married young, had kids young. And so his life was on fast forward. So as an 18, 19 year old uh, to watch him, you know, uh, uh, be a husband, um, to watch him, you know, be a selfless husband as best as he could for his wife. Yeah. You know, those, those were really formative things that really impact my role as a husband and a father every single day, you know, um, and then to bleed that even further back to my father, you know, and, yeah. and to be able to continue to watch my father uh, do those things. And so coaches that are listening to this, um, your example of how you live your life um, has massive impact today and so much further beyond um, it reminds me, uh, Amos Alonzo Stagg um, is, a, is a historically great football coach from the University of Chicago in the 20s and the 30s, right? Like University of Chicago doesn't <laughs> even have football anymore. But back then, they were one of the powerhouses. Yeah. And they had just won a national championship, completed an undefeated season. And a reporter asked Coach Stagg, Coach, do you think you really did a great job with your guys this year? And Stagg replied back without even thinking, oh, I won't know that for another 20 years. <laughs> You know, and so the point is the powerful platform that coaches have to impact young people probably has very little to do with the X's and O's and has everything to do with how you're living your lives, coaches. Yeah. And so that'd be my encouragement to coaches. Never yes. underestimate how you are living your life and the example it's setting for the, 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 the athletes on your teams. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Hobbs, for, for being here. How can we be praying for you? Oh, wow. Um, so um, I am um, pivoting. By the time you all are listening to this, um, I will have uh, left my role as the director of athletics at the King's Academy, West Palm Beach, Florida, which is a phenomenal school. Uh, I've been here five years and have had an awesome time. Um, but I am uh, taking an opportunity to broaden my leadership influence on schools, and I will be the new director of institutional advancement at Second Baptist School in Houston, Texas. Uh, and so um, we, you know, prayers are appreciated um, that I'll pivot 
and, and everything that I've learned and how to lead in this very particular niche, um, I will be able to transition that for uh, the benefit of other people um, at Second Baptist School in Houston, Texas. And yeah. so that, that pivot uh, and being able to influence people for, for the Lord uh, and influence people for the benefit of the school um, is, is those prayers would be much appreciated. All right. Sounds good. Let's, let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for, for this day. Um, Lord, you, you made it. And Lord, I pray that we'll, we'll be able to um, take advantage of this day to, to, you know, and grow closer to you, grow closer to each other, Lord, that, that we'll be able to advance um, your kingdom here on earth, Lord. Lord, I pray for Dr. Hobbs and his leadership and every step of his career as he now moves um, to Houston, Texas, Lord, that, that you give him the guidance, uh, give him the wisdom, um, show him how to now lead a lot more than just um, coaches, Father, that you put him in a position of great responsibility. May, may he continue to, to glorify you, Lord, and give you glory um, every single day by the way that he treats his family. Um, his new employees and uh, the people that he comes in contact with father thank you again for this conversation in your name i pray amen 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 thanks so much for dr chris Hobbs coming on to the to the podcast and just sharing with us and and all those listening um but really really loved um, just the advice that he gave the coaches um to just keep keep people steady, um, I think was, was uh, what he told. And I was given that advice too um, by a mentor, um, just thinking about whether you're in ministry or, or coaching, just that idea of just being consistent. You know, young people there, they have good days and bad days and, and breakups and they win a match, they lose a match. It just seems like a lot, a lot, a lot of ups and downs. And I think just being steady, uh, helping them to, to remain consistent uh, yeah. is one thing that can really help. And the, the first step, I think, is keeping us steady, right? We can't tell our kids to, to stay calm under pressure if we're not showing that ourselves, you know, or if we're yeah. not disciplined in that with us. Sure. And that's, that's you know, like our, our anchor uh, being Christ. It's our, our foundation as uh, with our faith that, that helps us to remain steady through, through the adversities um, that I, yeah. I know everybody's going to face. Yeah. And then I also like Chad, he did talk about uh, Coach Chow and when he went, would go over to Coach Chow's house and Coach Chow had just had newborns, you know, and toddlers. And he saw Coach in a different light, you know, he saw Coach as a father and a husband. And that really gave him a blueprint to, to be one when he had the opportunity, you know. And I remember Chad, you know, Coach Johnson here at Liberty, you know, he whenever he was around his family, he turned into a completely different human being, you know? And it was always neat to see just how much love he had for his family and his kids. And when they were around, he would just, you know, light up and just be a completely different man. And that also made an impact in my life. Yeah, I think you start to have a little more grace uh, when you see a coach just holding a, a toddler or a baby, like, okay, they, they have a, a, a life outside of their sport too, you know? Yeah, I, I love that. And I love Coach uh, Dr. Hobbs' um, thought on competition. And he said, you know, the competition is a temporary evaluation. And I think that's so good. I think sometimes we look at competition as the end game. But if we look at competition, the matches, the games, 
um, as just another evaluation on our progress, that's much better because then you can learn from it and then move on to the next evaluation instead of, oh, I lost this match or I lost this game. This is terrible. Life is over. And if we can instill that behavior in our athletes, then we can keep them steady as well. Yeah, I think uh, we, we struggled with that as, as players probably and, and not easy to do as coaches, but a great, great thing to keep into our mind. And guys, I, I also asked for the extra question after prayer. I asked uh, Dr. Hobbs, which three books have had had the most impact in his life? And his answers were really good. Those were three books that I had never read. And then now I have because of, uh, you know, his recommendation. And he's a great follow on Twitter as well. So make sure you go follow Dr. Chris Hobbs on Twitter. But coach, remember, if you're in Texas, like Dr. Hobbs, or if you're in Ohio now with Chad or in Lynchburg, Virginia, here at Liberty, the mission field is right where you're at.